Good morning, church family. Happy New Year to you. It's so good to see many of you, many of you returning from traveling. It's good to see some faces back with us this morning. Uh, today, we are continuing our sermon series, Ancient Paths, uh, the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and in order to match the creed with the themes of our church calendar, we are sandwiching the Lord's Prayer in the middle of the Apostles' Creed. So today, we're beginning the portion of our series that's focused on the Lord's Prayer. And I think as we begin a new year consecrated to God and thinking about resolutions, I think it's appropriate to focus on the subject of prayer. Because if, if we want to improve our spiritual lives, if we want to get closer to God, we all know we need to pray. We all know that prayer is essential. We know we need to pray. We know we should be praying. We know we ought to pray. We know that prayer is necessary for a relationship with God. We also know from Scripture that God has promised to hear our prayers, that He res responds to the prayers of His people. We know from Scripture that we receive real grace and mercy in our time of need. We know from Scripture that we have not because we ask not. We know from the Bible that prayer is the pathway to real gratitude and real peace. Many of us live with fears and anxieties and worries that we don't have to because we don't pray. We know all of these things are true. We know how important it is, and yet don't we find it difficult to pray? Gosh, we do. The, the devil will find all kinds of ways to keep us from pray, uh, praying. Distractions and deceptions. We're distracted by all kinds of things that keep us from prayer. I heard one pastor call the smartphone a weapon of mass distraction. It's kind of funny, but think about that. Think about that. A tool of the devil, a weapon of mass distraction that will keep us from a life of prayer. All kinds of things. We fall prey to the enemy's lies. Think about whether you have believed or thought any of these things in 2023. We believe the enemy's lies that prayer is not necessary, that prayer is not that important, that it's not vital, that prayer doesn't make much of a difference, that it's not productive, that something is more important than prayer, and that we don't have time for prayer. Have you believed any of those deceptions in 2023? I know I have. <laughs> I'm raising my hand for some of those. The enemy has whispered those things to me many times. And we must rouse ourselves out of these deceptions and realize that we neglect prayer to our own peril. I think another challenge to prayer is knowing what to say, knowing how to pray. You know, I'll, I'll be honest with you that prayer has not always been easy for me. Uh, I grew up in the Catholic Church, and my first teachings on prayer were how to pray the rosary. And you, you held the cross, you say the Apostles' Creed, and then you, the next beat is the Hail Mary, which I'm not sure about that. Uh, and then you would say, Ten Our Fathers, as they called the Lord's Prayer. And now I don't think this is the church's intention, but when you have to pray ten in a row and then ten more, you start to pray them really fast. You learn to pray them fast and not really with, with your heart. Uh, so that was my first teaching on prayer. And then my family switched to an evangelical church where we learned about free prayer. Where you, free prayer is when you just pray from the heart. You, you talk to God like a friend. You talk to Him like your Heavenly Father, which is a wonderful way, way to pray, right? And then as I got older, I spent some time in, uh, with the Charismatics, and they really teach you about free prayer. Uh, we had all kinds of free prayer, all free in body movement, free in all kinds of ways. It was, it was very exciting. 
And then I spent some time with the Anglicans, and it was less free prayer. It was kind of the opposite. Here are the time-tested prayers, the liturgical prayers, the prayers of the church, and those were beautiful uh, as well. And so we have all of these different experiences with prayer. And I believe that, you know, all of these things can be welcomed into our spiritual life. You know, then you go to, you know, when I was in college and seminary, they, they teach you all other kinds of prayers. You know, Lectio Divina and centering prayer and meditative prayer and journaling prayer and praying the Psalms and praying the offices and the examine, etc., etc. All of those things are of value. And yet, as I approach this series in a new year, I don't know about you, but I find my own heart longing for something simple. When I think about all the different ways you could pray, it can feel complicated and overwhelming. There's so many options. What do I do? How do I pray? How do I structure my prayer life? What form should my prayer take? I find myself crying out like the disciples once did. Lord, teach us to pray. And the answer to that prayer is the answer to which I think I've been seeking, hidden in plain sight, recited every Sunday in most churches around the world, I think is the one prayer that is needed, the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. If, like me, sometimes you find yourself unsure of how to pray, where to start, what to say, right here, given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, is the prayer of prayers. It is the model of all praying. It guides us into good prayer, into God-glorifying, kingdom-building, heart-shaping prayer. And I submit to you, dear brothers and sisters, that we should take Jesus seriously when he says, as he did in the scripture reading, this then is how you should pray. That's what Jesus said. This is how you should pray. And then he says the Lord's Prayer. And the church over time really has taken Jesus seriously uh, about this. Nijay Gupta says, it is widely acknowledged that these five verses in Matthew happened to be the most well-known, most memorized, and most recited portion of Scripture since the inception of Christianity. And let's just take a very, very brief historical survey of what some of our church forebears have said about the Lord's Prayer. I have these for you. Tertullian, early church father, says, a summary of the whole gospel is to be found in the prayer. Augustine said, run through all the words of the holy prayers, and I do not think that you will find anything in them that is not contained and included in the Lord's Prayer. Our friend and brother Martin Luther said, since our Lord is the author of this prayer, it, was, is, it is without doubt the most sublime, the loftiest, and the most excellent. If he, the good and faithful teacher, had known a better one, he would surely have taught us that too. It is the very best prayer because the true master of prayer, Jesus, composed it and taught it to us. And finally, John Wesley said, it is the model and standard of all our prayers. Now, if we couldn't accept the Lord's Prayer being the best prayer because it came from Jesus, if that wasn't enough, listen to the church fathers, the church forebears who've gone before. They are testifying. This is the prayer of prayers. Why is the Lord's Prayer the greatest prayer? I'm going to give you three reasons this morning. Number one, because it is the Lord's Prayer. It is the Lord's Prayer. It is from Jesus Christ, directly from himself. What make, that, that is what makes it unique and set apart from all other prayers. As we mentioned in Epiphany, this, the revelation of Jesus Christ into our world. 
something amazing has happened. As we talked about in the creed, we believe that this Jesus, this, this man who was born, he is Jesus the Christ, God's Son, our Lord. He is the image of God. He is, he is God with us. There cannot be a better teacher on prayer than Jesus. And this prayer tells us much about our Lord. Wesley Hill writes that the Lord's Prayer is a portrait of Jesus Christ. It says, The one who addresses God as Father, who sanctifies God's name, he announces and bears God's healing reign. He submits to God's will. He gives his flesh as daily bread for the life of the world. He provides for the forgiveness of sins through his death on the cross and thus inducts his followers into a lifestyle of forgiveness. And he ultimately delivers believers from the power of death and the devil. Jesus embodies and enacts the prayer he taught his followers to pray. The Lord's Prayer is a picture of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a summary, in a way, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It points to our Lord, and it tells us what's important to Jesus. It tells us Jesus' priorities. What are Jesus' priorities based on the Lord's Prayer? A relationship with our Heavenly Father, hallowing, blessing God's name, bringing in the kingdom of God, doing God's will, providing daily bread for all people and their needs, forgiveness and reconciliation, and deliverance from Satan's schemes, lies, temptations, and power. Those are the priorities of Jesus for all God's people. It's been said that we become what we pray. So my question to you in 2024 is, who are you becoming? Who are you becoming by what you pray? By praying the Lord Jesus' prayer, we become like Him. We begin to align our hearts with this. We begin to call out aloud that, that God would hallow His name, glorify His name, to bring in the kingdom of God. And I, and I think this is why it's, it's powerful when we adopt this as a model for our own praying. You know, be, you know because in, in church we have to all say it together so it can kind of sound monotone or monotonous. But think about praying the Lord's Prayer with passion. God, bless your name. Glorify your name. Bring in the kingdom of God. Not my will, but yours be done. I mean, if you're praying the prayer like that, that can change your life. That will change your life. As we pray these prayers, we become more like Jesus. We receive his heart, and then we are moved to do the things Jesus did. Pastor Adam Hamilton says, we then seek to become the answer to the Lord's prayer. We become people who extend God's kingdom, who do God's will, who provide for other people's needs, their daily bread. We become people who are reconcilers with others. We become people who are overcoming the lies of the enemy and living in the truth of God. So to become like the Lord Jesus, we pray the Lord Jesus' prayer. To do the things Jesus did, we pray the Lord Jesus' prayer. Does that make sense? It changes us. It forms us. The second reason why this is the greatest prayer is it is a prayer that teaches us how to pray. It teaches us how to pray. Again, verse 9, Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. 
Uh, the scholars Davies and Allison, they write this, that this phrase means in this manner. It probably implies that what follows is more an example of how to pray instead of a formula to be mechanically repeated. In addition, the church fathers could speak of it as an outline. Many across history have understood this prayer to be the perfect model, the perfect template, the perfect outline for your own praying and the prayers of the church. And yet, on the other side of that, it's also a prayer that we recite word for word, right? So, like the Ten Commandments, if you remember, the Ten Commandments are uh, uh, written down twice in Scripture, in Exodus and Deuteronomy. The Lord's Prayer is also written down twice in Scripture, once in Matthew, another time in the Gospel of Luke. And when it's written down in Luke, it comes as a response to to the disciples asking Jesus to teach them how to pray. And in in Luke's version, Jesus says to them, when you pray, say the Lord's Prayer. Let's go, uh, Scott McKnight, he says, basically, Jesus is telling his disciples that whenever you pray, recite this prayer. Pray this prayer. Say this prayer. We know that one of the first uh, Christian documents, it was called the Didache, it was, a, it was a manual for Christian discipleship to disciple believers. And in that manual, it gives the Lord's Prayer, and it says, pray like this three times a day. Pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day. And then, of course, we have the witness of church history where every branch of Christendom, of God's kingdom, the Catholic, the the Protestant, the Orthodox, for 2,000 years, they've been reciting this prayer together in community. So which is it? It is, is it Is it a prayer that we recite word for word, or is it a prayer that is a model for our own prayers? Yes. Yes. It is both a prayer that we, we recite and it's a prayer that becomes the model of our own praying. I believe it's essential that we pray it together every Sunday and I believe it's essential that it becomes a model of our own praying. In Christian tradition and experience, there's always this tension. Maybe you, you have felt this in your own life, as I described earlier. The tension between free prayer, just praying to God from the heart, and liturgical prayer, prayers that have been passed down to us through Scripture, and through the church. Again, free prayer is just praying from your heart. Whatever comes to your mind, whatever it is you want to say to God, your Heavenly Father. Uh, We value free prayer because we want to be our true selves with God, and we want to express to Him what is truly on our hearts. And what parent doesn't want their children just to come and commune with them and express what they are thinking and feeling? And yet, I also am reminded that I still have to instruct my own kids on how to communicate. You know how to communicate with me sometimes. You know, yes, I'm your, I'm, I'm your loving father, but, but kids, when you barge in here, you've you got to be considerate of, of me as well. And when you're asking for that, it's, when you're asking for that treat right now, you're actually going to cause a problem with your brother or sister. You can't be asking for that right now in this moment. Wait till... So even in our own parenting, we know that we have to instruct our kids on how to communicate with us. In all of our human interactions, there are rules and manners, ways that we talk to each other, ways that are good and healthy, and ways that are less healthy. We know this is true even in human interactions. And I would submit to you that if we only have free prayer, If we were to only say whatever it is that is on our hearts, we have to be honest, sometimes what we want is not good. 
Sometimes it's not good for ourselves. Sometimes it's not good for others. Sometimes it's not godly. And sometimes we're just repeating in prayer our own pathologies, our own idiosyncrasies, our own sinful hearts and mindsets. We need something to liberate us that is beyond us, that, is, that comes to us from God. So we need other prayers, liturgical prayers, psalms, written prayers that lift us out of the mire of our small-minded praying. We need prayers that deliver us from our selfish prayer, from our small prayer, our personal agenda prayer. And the church has many prayers to help us with this. But again, I would submit to you, the Lord's Prayer is the perfect model for all your praying. Karl Barth said this, Let our prayer not be offered according to our good pleasure. Otherwise, there would, th- there would be then on our part inordinate desires. Let it be patterned after the one who knows our needs better than we ourselves. Doesn't that take humility? It's the humility to say, God, you even know better to teach me how to pray than I do. You know what I need more than I do. You know that I need to pray these things to you. It's the humility to release my own grip on my, on my praying and say, I'm going to pray in line with the heart of God, with the heart of Jesus. And when Jesus taught us this, he gave us the perfect words to guide our praying, to lift us to heavenly-minded, kingdom-minded, God-glorifying prayer. Consider the Lord's Prayer a music sheet. When a musicians use the, the, the sheet of music, there are notes, there are uh, notes that tell them what, uh, what to play, right? Uh, but when they play the music, their individuality shines through as they play their instrument or sing their part especially like in blues or jazz, right? Like there's the, there's the chords that they're progressing through, but, but the saxophone player or the guitarist or the bassist, they can kind of riff off what's going on, right? They're, they're, they're staying in tune. They're staying in harmony with the general theme of the music, but they're able to do something creative that is in harmony with the rest. And to me, this is what the Lord's Prayer is. And many, even Martin Luther himself talks about this. You, would, you, you, you say a line of the Lord's Prayer. Look, Lord, hallowed be your name. Oh, that's, let's play a riff off that one. Lord, your name is holy. Blessed be your name. Glorify your name in all the earth. Lord, in whatever I do today, help me to bring glory and honor to your holy name. May I cause other people to praise the goodness of your name. Oh, and so on and so on. Oh, Lord, give us today our daily bread. Oh, I have so many needs today, Lord. I'm facing this this situation at work. I'm facing this situation at home with, with my spouse or my kids. Lord, I need your help to provide my needs. And you riff off the Lord's Prayer. Or perhaps you might consider it like a script in a play where your part is written for you. But even the actors and the director, am I right? So you can add a little bit of individuality. You can add some creativity. Sometimes different versions of the same play will have different lines added to them because they are adding their creativity into the script. This is how we can use the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer gives you a model to lift you out of our insular praying, but also it gives you the freedom to express your own heart to God in line with God's heart and will. So it is the perfect balance between free prayer, expressing your heart to God, and liturgical prayer. Here is a track, here is a model for you to follow as you freely pray what you need to pray to your Heavenly Father. So we pray 
in line with the priorities of Jesus, and we allow that to inspire and shape our own praying, which then shapes us to be disciples of Jesus, doing His kingdom work in the world. And finally, this is the greatest prayer because, because it is the prayer of the church. I thought this morning that I would be able to get to at least the first line of the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, but I'm not going to be able to get that far today, friends. I'm just going to look at the first word, our. Our Father. This is the prayer of the church to God. When we pray, Jesus taught us to pray in the plural form. Our Father. Notice all the communal references in this prayer. Our Father, give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You see how that is all through the Lord's Prayer? It is a communal prayer. The church father Cyprian said this, Before all things, the teacher of peace and master of unity did not wish to, uh, prayer to be offered individually and privately as one would pray only for himself when he prays. Our prayer is public and common, and when we pray, we pray not for one, but for the whole people, because we, the whole people, are one. So there is a theme of unity as the people of God. There's a theme of reconciliation within the Lord's Prayer. We pray this in common with other believers. We pray this in the plural. And when we pray it, we are asking God to forgive us like we're forgiving other people. In fact, if, you look, if you're looking in your Bibles in the Matthew version, right after the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's how seriously Jesus took the need for us to practice forgiveness and reconciliation. This is a prayer based on the reconciliation accomplished through Jesus Christ. And we remember in the chapter before in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus instructs his disciples to leave their offering, leave your gift at the altar, and go back and be reconciled with your brother. Do that even before you pray. Do that before you offer your worship and your prayers to God. When we bow our heads to pray the Lord's Prayer, we join in a spirit of unity in the family of God, that He is our Father, that other people praying this prayer are our brothers and sisters, and we ought to be one with them, reconciled with them, forgiving them as we pray this prayer. We're going to have more on that later in the series, but that's what this prayer begins with. You know, there are times where I have personalize the Lord's Prayer, my own praying. You know, my Father, God forgive me my sins, help me with my needs today. And I'm actually challenging myself and I'm going to challenge all of you to resist that when you pray. Because it's not about me. It's not about me. This prayer includes me. It includes you. But it includes all of God's children crying to their Father for His kingdom to come crying to their Father for their daily bread, crying to their Father for forgiveness and help and rescue from the powers of, this, of, of the enemy in this dark world. And so as I go to pray, Jesus is already beckoning me 
to stop just thinking about myself. The church needs my prayers. My brothers and sisters need my prayers. And so when I pray, I'm including them. I'm including myself, but I'm including my brothers and sisters. Give us today our daily bread. So we are immediately at the beginning of this prayer lifted into intercession for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Oh, what wisdom Jesus has for us in our praying. So friends, in summary, the Lord's Prayer is the prayer of prayers. It is the prayer of the Lord that helps us become like the Lord and to do the things the Lord Jesus did. It is a prayer that teaches you how to pray out of the freedom of your own heart at times, but in line with the priorities of Jesus Christ. We both recite it and we use it as a model. And it is a prayer of the church that we pray in unity with all God's people, with our brothers and sisters in this church, but also our brothers and sisters all around the globe and across time. We join in with that great cloud of witnesses as we pray this prayer. What a magnificent gift God has given us. As we think about entering into 2024, getting closer to God, I encourage you to use this prayer to improve your prayer life, to draw closer to your Heavenly Father, to guide your praying. I'll end with this quote by Martin Luther. He said, There is no nobler prayer to be found upon earth than the Lord's Prayer. God loves to hear it, and we ought not to surrender this for all the riches of the world. Wow, what a treasure we have in the Lord's Prayer.